Garvin Poole slipped out of bed, got his lighter off the fireplace mantle and walked in his underwear through the dark house to the kitchen, where he took a joint out of a sugar jar, then continued to the garden door. He opened it as quietly as he could, but it chimed once, not an alarm so much as a notification. He stepped out onto the patio and continued along the flagstone walk to his workshed. Poole was an inch shy of six feet, with broad shoulders and big hands of a high school wrestler, which he'd never been, and now a hint of a hard beer gut. He still had thick reddish-brown hair over blue eyes and used a beard trimmer for the three-day look. Women liked him. He couldn't go to Whole Foods without picking up a conversation. The flagstones underfoot were cool but dry, not much rain this year. The moon was up high and bright over the garden wall, and he could hear faintly from well off in the distance the stuttering midnight sound of Rihanna singing work. He opened the shed door, turned on the light, sat down in the office chair, fired up the joint, and looked at the guitar he was building. He'd been sitting there for a half minute or so when Dora Bach said, Gar? She stepped through the open door, buck naked the way she slept. What you doing? He said, come on, sit down. She sat in a wooden chair and didn't cross her legs, and he took a long look and then said, I'm going back to work. One time. Oh, boy. Now she crossed her legs. Box had a hard time getting through the day without being rubbed or squeezed, but business was business. It might have been a mistake coming here, he said, waving the joint at the workshop. I've been thinking about it a lot for the last month or so. I like it, but we should have left the country, gotten out completely. There's no other place you like that we could go. Buck said. Costa Rica was supposed to be the best, but you thought it sucked. Snakes. Oh, God, snakes. Anyway, you don't even like most of the states, Gar. Where'd we go that we'd like? He shook his head. I don't know. Someplace crookeder than here. You know a place crookeder than Dallas? Sure. There are places in this world where you can pay the cops to kill people for you, he said. His voice squeaked as he simultaneously tried to talk and to hold the smoke in his lungs. Where you can do anything you want. You wouldn't want to live in those places. What brought this on? Poole took a drag on the joint and said, I put ten years of money into gold. And now I go around trying to cash the gold out, and there aren't enough places to do that, not inside a day's drive. Every time I cash a coin, the guys are giving me looks, you know. I've been back too many times. They know what I'm doing, that I'm cashing out hot money. They don't say anything, but they know. We could drive somewhere else, Buck suggested. Oklahoma City, Houston... Basically the same problem. People are looking at you, remembering you, Poole said. Silence for a while, then Buck said, I thought 
thought the gold was smart. I did, too, back at the start. The cops were tearing up everything south of Kentucky looking for me, and gold seemed flexible, good anywhere. Maybe I was thinking about it too much. They'd had variations of the talk before. Gold coins were anonymous, portable, no serial numbers. He could get small bills for gold. It kept its value over time, and it was saleable almost anywhere. He hadn't seen the problem with being looked at and remembered. I didn't see that coming, cashing out month after month. We need 10,000 a month to keep our heads above water. That's nine or ten coins a month right now, he said. If we were in the right country, we could cash it all out at once, set up a phony company, pretend we earned the money, give ourselves salaries, pay taxes, and maybe someday come back to the States under different names. Sounds sketchy, she said, and give me a hit. 